Festival podcast. Producer Trent here. This is Monday's episode uh, where Robin and Josie were joined by Professor Bruce Hood uh, talking about his new book, Possessed, and also music from Penfriend, formerly She Makes War, formerly Laura Kidd, well, still Laura Kidd in many ways, but Penfriend is her new musical outing. So we have some music and chat from Penfriend as well. Stay at home festival tip jar, cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home is where you can go to drop a tip in the jar. Patreon.com slash bookshambles is where you can go to support us. And listening to today's episode requires no further action on your part other than to not push, stop, or pause. Good morning. Welcome to. At home festival, we've all had an extra half an hour lying, haven't we, Josie? (laughs) (laughs) I've been learning about uh, Mott and Bailey, curtain walls, uh, round towers. That's been my I don't know what your homeschooling's been today. Mine has very much been on the formation of castles. I will never forget how much I loved learning about castle and cathedral architecture in year seven. I loved it so much, like a flying buttress. Mm, the ribbed vault and then the importance in later on for our thinking of the spandrel as well i mean so many different elements i love i, I it's uh it is that's what i find the, the most joyous thing about homeschooling is one trying to get trying to get some of my maths brain working again because you know all of that and and two is just returning to because i love that i think we've talked about this before those usborne historical books where you would also i, I love a cross section and that's never mm. gone away Mm, a great house i mean obviously class reasons difficult sometimes but a great house how the great house works mm, can't get enough yeah, yes they and they're so beautifully the, done yeah they never used to do the uh, cross section through the pauper's grave did they that was the one <laughs> thing that seemed to be missing anyway we'll tell you who was on today uh we uh this is a kind of slightly new not really a new format we're gonna we'll concentrate a little bit more on the show and tells a few times this week and we're doing them uh a little bit shorter because we know that you all have now things are kind of going in a different rhythm and you have many other things to do so uh coming up this week by the way tomorrow we have uh a double zoltzman feast we have uh, helen zoltzman and andy zoltzman it's a zoltzman uh, family reunion <laughs> oh that was one of my favorite things what was the name the trachtenberg family slides oh wow yeah uh, i looked them up because i think the daughter is now a, a drummer with another band or it might she even must be a... about 20 now oh she's she must be over 20 for those of you who don't know trachtenberg family slideshow had, had this wonderful period about 2005 i think mm-hmm. where they got really well known and uh they were a, a family band so it was husband wife and daughter on the drums who i think was about 10 or 11 years old probably when i saw them and they used to just find great old boxes of of slides at auctions and stuff and then they would turn them so they would take a just a, a kind of box of slides and they would turn them into songs using these slides as the way of kind of hooking and and it was a really you saw it didn't you josie yeah it was fantastic wonderful yeah. celebratory thing so also george egg by the way has got cooking tips for us tomorrow and on wednesday we have the stars of one of my favorite films of this year we have claudia uh, doherty and uh, we have Maeve higgins uh who from extraordinary if you've not seen extraordinary yet it is great fun i think it's on it's on netflix isn't it as far as i remember yes and also they're just some of the funniest people in the world on the planet they're such funny women and so such great talents in their own rights. So you should seek out their writing and their performance. 
I love Claudia's series of uh, makeover. Um, if you oh, again yeah. have a look for this, uh, it was a series done in Australia of kind of five minute pieces, which appear initially to be a YouTube channel yeah. of makeover advice. And uh, in each episode, there is a little bit more of a revelation. Uh, yeah. I will tell you no more. Well, I, sh I should say those are written by Coyle, Nick Coyle, who's a long term collaborator of hers. And between them, they just have the most fantastic and unusual imagination into their comedy. And so when they make sketches, you just get so much delight because it's so not root one, two, three, four or five. <laughs> So and really so, good. yeah, if you have any any questions you want for them, send us your questions. And the same for tomorrow, if you would like to ask, ask uh, uh, Helen about all the words and uh, if you'd like to ask Andy about all the cricket. That's roughly how we can uh, handle all that. Uh, remind you also, there's a tip chart at the bottom of this. We have now uh, given out so far £15,000 uh, to artists and art centres over the last few weeks. And uh, we're still trying to build that up and uh, work as a support network. And, uh, you know, as, as I, I keep saying and Josie keeps saying as well, a lot of it is to keep those kind of social hubs those uh, local art centres is to keep them going so there's places for everyone to go after this is all over and done with and uh, I think that's all of the uh, um, uh, also uh, yeah uh, and we also have uh, this is great by the way what Trent does you don't know any of this at home is he just puts up lots of little things in the corner for us to look but they come up for one second so in the middle yeah. of the conversation so all I can say is uh fgs on wednesday hopefully that's correct we're also joined by the fgs on wednesday that may well something will pop up playing music they will be playing music thank you trent this auto cue system is uh frankly bunkum anyway uh we what's your show and tell today josie well i wanted to show you this hang on <laughs> So when I was about 17, my mum bought me this doll, uh, this statue of a little girl doing a sort of Spanish dance. And then my daughter knocked it off. And now it doesn't have a head. And I feel like if I get rid of it, that's accepting that I've lost, you know, it's, it's accepting that it's gone. But if I keep it, it's sad. So... It's just a kind of holding statue until I... Is, it, is, there a, is it actually a hole where the head's been knocked off? Put flowers in it. Make it into a... Because <laughs> uh, then it will look like something from a, a Takeshi Kitano movie. I think that will look... Not I think that, the beheaded vase, is a lovely creation. And available right. from our channel. Okay, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, okay. But I... I I love things like that. I love going to museums where they just have uh, bits of, of statues that are left. Or, the, or there was a lovely in the, uh, I think it was the, 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 is it not the Whitworth? The, uh, the, the one in, in, in New York. Uh, I've got half the title there, the wit something. Um, and, and they had an exhibition of unfinished paintings. Whitney. The Whitney. Yeah. The Whitney. And it was just fantastic. All of these paintings where great artists had gone. No, that's not working out. Nah, <laughs> I don't. And so sometimes they were headless. Sometimes there was a bit of a head. Sometimes the sun had been begun. But that bit of the process, I think, is beautiful. Do you ever have that where you find an old notebook? And I've got all these short stories that I've started, but not, fin not finished. That's like I've got. 50 short stories I've started but not finished and five I've finished. Do you know what I mean? And I find a notebook and I start reading. And I'm like, oh, this is actually really good. And then it just stops. And I'm like, great. 
great because I can't remember where that was supposed to go, and I'm a different person now. Yeah, so. I, I love first. Uh, I love writing the first page of a short story, mm. and then you realise there has to be structure. So you go, oh, I've come up with an image. Well, how does that connect to anything? I don't <laughs> know. Um, in fact, I think I've got one of my notebooks here. I've got my uh, Adrian. There we are. The, these must have been. I think this was 2005 when I only wrote in Adrian Tomine notebooks. Yes, I remember. <laughs> they, they were the they were the thing for me then. Um, and uh, my show and tell. I've just realised I've created an avalanche of books now. My show and tell today because we've got uh, Bruce Hood on. I thought uh, he, of course, as a psychologist, knows a great deal about phrenology and how it works and how our brain work from touching our bumps so this is i don't have that many actual knickknacks i have a lot of trash in my house printed material uh but this i love these uh that so all of that section of your brain is moral and religious sentiments all of that bit just there but on the other side man so much is going on you've got stability power of will antiquity that's where you keep your antiquity how do they possibly pretend to have discovered this well, I mean, through science, Josie, through science. What experiment could you possibly do that you could pretend would yield that result? Like well, tap someone. That's it there. That's what they used to make this, was they used that corner of the brain there, which has reasoning, causality and planning, that, that little lump there. What? That's so small, but moral and religious sentiments. So yeah, big. Well, true of true? all of us, eh? Um this is so to find out more about that and many other things. Uh, welcome, Professor Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Hood. Hello, Bruce. How are you? Hi there, Robin. Welcome to here. This Hello. is um, so tell us because uh, but before we, we, we'll we talk about your, your latest book and your show and tell them. But phrenology is it's such uh, I mean, it creates such a beautiful bust. But underneath that lies very little evidence based. Is that fair enough to say? Yes, absolutely. It's complete pseudoscience. It was the pseudoscience of the 19th century. But actually, uh, Galton, um, one of our kind of leading uh, early psychologists, he was a cousin of Darwin, of course, um, he was involved also in this sort of whole approach of phrenology. And uh, Josie, the way they figured out the relationship was basically... It was worked on this naive assumption that, you know, the brain is like a muscle. So if you build it up, it will bulge. And so that's why they went to sort of feeling the bumps on your head. And so what the technique was to feel lots of bumps on your head and then see what does everyone have in common. And that was how they made the assumption and mapped out what they thought were the various areas of the brain dedicated to different functions. But, of course, it's all bunkum. But it, it, it persevered. Um, well into the early 20th century, and that's where we get the phrase having your head examined. Uh, and indeed, it wasn't, phrenologists would go around kind of touching your head, but then technology came along and then they, they built this machine which could automatically feel the bumps on your head. But yeah, uh, it's still a bit, of a bit of a pseudoscience. However, I would say to my neuroscience colleagues out there, and I'm sure this will be very controversial, a lot of the new imaging techniques are arguably a recapitulation of phrenology by looking for little areas and bumps in the brain. So uh, things haven't entirely changed. But that is so because the religion, the religion and morality is so big, is that why bishops have to wear such big hats? Ah. If you actually take the hat off, is there just a huge, it's the same shape? Yeah, they're cone heads. Yeah, underneath it all. They're from another no. planet. 
Now, something we really want to work because your 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 latest book, which is all about why we want to possess things, why we want to possess is, uh, and it's a, it's a very good. I mean, I've I've enjoyed all your books, and uh, I say I've enjoyed it, but I also realise that there's no such thing as self. Uh, so you 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 told me that. So, um, but, but that that's a great book as well, by the way, about the nature of self and kind of ego theory and bundle theory and all of that. But yeah, love lovely book, but. Both Josie and I were looking at, as many other people have, um, Sarah Vine and Michael Gove's bookshelf today, which has created some uh, consternation and joy. Uh, they have worked by the uh, um, the um, what's are we? I, th- I think we are now officially allowed to call him a Holocaust denier, aren't we? Because I think Deborah Lipstadt went uh, through that. Yeah. I- I, I, I think she went through that court case, which is another great book, by the way, denying I mean, history. By, uh, I've seen Lipstadt. the film. I've it's, seen the yeah. film. Timothy Spall is so good in that film. Oh my as well. god, he's he fantastic! He's so good. But um, the, their shelf, you know, people are, are really enjoying looking at that because there's there's a book by Ayn Rand on that shelf, predominantly kind of quite uh, fusty political biographies and autobiographies. But when we reveal, because I love putting up shelfies, I, I, every day I find a new kind of one to put up, and I don't reorder it. I just take the shelf that I've got. And some people get very angry. There's no order. There's absolutely no order. How do you find any of your books and the simple it takes time it takes time so um what are we doing when we do that when we place up on social media that image of of our bookshelf what are we trying to uh what, what, what is the message we're trying to give well as as you've already indicated or hinted at that the uh we're displaying uh what we believe to be uh, our attributes so in the book possessed i talk about the way that we buy things to signal to other people what we would like to like them to believe. Mm. Um, and I would imagine that uh, having a bookshelf full of highly intellectual kind of content would sort of say, oh, look, I'm the person that reads this sort of thing. In the same way that everyone bought a brief history of time, but no one really understood it. Uh, you know, so I think people kind of use these objects and in case books is, books to sort of create a narrative of what they uh, would like to portray to others, which is, by the way, I I think I mentioned earlier, if you look at Trump's uh, bookshelf in the White House, it's all his uh, autobiographies, although I'm I'm, I'm told, in fact, he never wrote them. I don't believe that. I think he's a very reputable writer. (laughs) Yeah, there is a guy who came out, the, 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 what's it called? The the, uh, Art Art of the Deal deal or whatever. whatever. Yeah, one of the writers, the the authors came out and talked a lot about that, didn't they? I I tend to also feel that one of the reasons I'm so obsessed with having books is it reminds me of all of of the different things that I would like to aspire to be myself. Like the the big patchwork of all the different things that I can't hold in my head at one time, but that Mm. I would hope, (laughs) hope to be able to aspire to. One of the really interesting things was uh, when the, um, when the books came, when the electronic books came along, everyone assumed that it would be the death of the printed page, but that didn't happen at all. And that's because I think there's something very um, tangible about holding a book. There's a kind of emotional component to a physical thing that you don't get from a Kindle. So mm. I think it's really interesting that actually that, that has, as the same thing has happened with vinyl records. Oh, uh, truly, yeah. It's become this kind of extension of identity and self to have these physical manifestations of things that you feel are very personal. Uh, so there's a real emotional connection with objects, which is something I've examined in previous books, talking about the kind of weird and spooky relationship we have with our possessions. Well, that is a ritual is so much part as well, as well. With, with the book and with it. Because I remember when I had a Saturday job and then I'd get my little brown envelope with the money in and I would go, normally it was to Tower Records because that was the nearest one. And I would just leaf through, you know, for two hours trying to find what I could afford. And, and then sitting on the train home, 
taking out the inner sleeve going oh it's just a blank inner sleeve with home tapings killing music on it boo <laughs> or you know take out and finding the lyrics or the stories <laughs> in it all of that was part of the the communication and part of the attachment before i'd even placed the the, the record on the record player I, I actually once spoke to uh, an owner of a memorabilia store, and um, he he gave me an insight, which in reflection is absolutely true. And he said that um, people, well, they were typically men, I would say, but they would come in and they would buy um, memorabilia, which linked to their age when they were a younger child. And so that's why they bought dinky toys and why they bought things which were reminiscent of their own childhood so it's in a sense it's in a way of manifestation you know a physical representation of uh, happier times i really yeah, i there <laughs> i don't need any of these i bought all these from uh, jeff jeff towns who I've, I've mentioned before dylan thomas guy he does put new but I, you know these were so much part of friday night friday night some pocket money one copy of stories of suspense or secrets of the unknown and i, I look at simpsons them Simpsons comics the simpsons comics I, I couldn't believe that these things that were so full of jokes were like allowed i just thought they were really illicit even oh, my son were... loves them he thinks they're really great good. yeah there's I, loads of them it's a funny thing because I'm really aware now of having reached a certain age because the other day as a as an imaginative exercise, I was going, where do I want to go? Where would I like to visit? And loads of my answers were like, the past. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. It started. It's begun. But that's why you sometimes think really hard about the past, don't you? Because if you the, 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 the thing garnish it a very often that kind of image where you go that didn't even happen that was a picture in a ladybird book my mum and dad never had a morris traveler a car partially made out of wood you know and when we did go on a picnic there were wasps everywhere you know that that's that's the bit if you just skirt around it you're or, who was saying the other day i was interviewing someone and they said that they felt that people feel that the most positive time to have lived was roughly when their mum and dad were children <laughs> As if somehow the story's been told and the way it's been told has become this one, which is an Ealing film or is one of those other things, you know, we might see on talking pictures and, and it loses all of the hard edges and it loses all of the kind of the mortality and the pain. That's well, that's right. I mean, if you, if you, if you listen to the kind of rhetoric. rhetoric we're hearing from our prime minister, it's all this kind of post-war golden era and indeed Trump sort of talks about exactly the same sort of notion and this this is of course Ealing films and Disney and this whole kind of nostalgia which is completely wrong of course because mm -hmm. it's nothing better than good old days and a bad memory um, we just don't actually remember anything really well so we should get to your show and tell yeah, yeah we should. I, I, it's what is it okay so this is a um, it's a hard tack biscuit okay which is made of flour and water and salt and it dates from uh 1917 to 18 wow. and um this was uh very common the the soldiers would write on these things because they're totally inedible um although this one's had a piece uh, eaten out of it and they would send these home as cards and the reason this one's really important is this came from my grandfather wow. uh, who served in palestine in 1917 and 18 and i think my father um, when she, he got his hands on it, he tried to taste it, and it would have been disgusting. But here is my, um, this is my grandfather, and you can see the resemblance, okay? Yeah. And, um, I wanted to just talk about that just briefly, because he was, uh, you know, he uh, rode a horse in the cavalry. He fought, fought in the First World War in the Fife and Four for Yeomanry. And I've actually got the history of that re regiment and you know there are segments of it where they talk about being in the trenches 
And um, it's, you know, at five o'clock, the downpour started, accompanied by thunder and lightning. Um, that, uh, the Amzak River broke the spate, washing away the Turkish and the Highland barricades, carrying horses, mules, men, dead and alive, down with it. And that was on the 26th of November. On the 28th, uh, my grandfather was shot, um, but he survived. Uh, so that was 1915. And what's remarkable is he obviously went back to the trenches because he sent a biscuit from 1917 to 18. And of course, this is at uh, the time when the Spanish flu pandemic started to ravish our world. So I wanted to bring it all into kind of context mm -hmm. about how, you know, we do have incredible abilities to go through immense times. We, we think we are in the worst circumstances. And yet when you kind of just check, you realize actually things do come around in cycles again and we have incredible resilience. So that's my show and tell, it's a biscuit. Wow, that Beautiful. was like a curated exhibition. <laughs> yes. Although I was so, so terrified that you were going to say, and my challenge is to eat the entire thing now. <laughs> it's, actually, it's rock hard. I mean, I don't know how anyone can eat them. Um, they sell these on eBay, but this is obviously personal to me, so it's going nowhere. It's Judean says, Hills, Palestine, 1917 to 1918. So, yeah, that was two years after he'd been wounded. He went back to fight again. So, I think I know, did. And I'm, I come from a family of military people. I, uh, I'm the one person who never... I was too much of a, well, I'm, I'm too much of a wuss. And uh, I don't think I could ever put myself in their shoes reading about these narratives of those fighting in the trenches. So it kind of makes me feel a little bit more humble and incredibly grateful, even in these circumstances. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I got was, worried. I often think about that. Oh, sorry. That's all, that's all. <laughs> you thought I was going to say. I often think about the fact that we're in, one of the main reasons we're so incredibly lucky at the moment, of, uh, I, I mean, obviously not to diminish any any of the difficulty of the sadness or any of it but I am so glad and grateful that we are all fighting something that is external to humanity and that we're not fighting each other and that we're, it isn't about warfare and it isn't about animosity because you know when I think about you know people who had to live through wars I can't imagine this the psychic torment of that the difficulty of that and the sadness that accompanied that and and then also having to uh, accompanied as if that isn't happening now in the world but uh, you know I'm just very, very um, aware, you know, that that it's so different, this circumstance, to that circumstance. So that's why I'm also slightly annoyed when I Our hear politicians kind of evoking, evoking the war spirit and the jingoistic spirit, when the reality was really quite terrible. And uh, also when they are not doing any kind of a moral duty towards, re towards refugees at the <laughs> same time, you know, with one hand they're saying, oh, well, you know, it's very brave to fight in a war. And on the other hand, they're saying these people who are fleeing persecution shouldn't be allowed it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> Just my speech for the day. <laughs> no, but it's it's it, it's a, a that what I find fascinating as well is that sense of uh, the connection that you yeah. that that you need because that's what I thought you were going to do because knowing in the past that you have shown items and you have imbued them with some kind of value or connection sometimes to the great and sometimes to mass murderers and mm. then you go ha it's just a jumper it wasn't fred west jumper <laughs> at all so i thought you were going to create this beautiful emotional biscuit based story and then go it's just a biscuit i bought yesterday and wrote on because <laughs> are you a fan of pranks um yeah yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do. But the prank uh, that Robin's alerting to is I did a, a when I had my first book called Super Sense, I, uh, I did some press releases and I held up this cardigan and I said, how many people would wear this for 20 pounds? Everyone puts their hands up. I said, yeah, but would you wear it if you knew it belonged to Fred West? And of course, everyone puts their hands down. 
Uh, I went, no, it's okay. I just got it out of the thrift shop. It's nobody's cardigan. But the point is, the belief is tangible enough. People mm. think you're going to be contaminated with evil energies and essences. But no, this is actually a real piece of uh, memorabilia for me. So, yeah, we have this connection with the physical things in our world, which is, uh, in many ways, it's irrational. And in other ways, it's actually very comforting. I also think it's interesting when you were just talking about the battle in the previous wars and things our understanding now there's so many we still hear people say well the uh, the previous generation they just got on with it afterwards they didn't have post-traumatic shock all of this kind of stuff and mm -hmm. actually you know the truth of that we seem to have a very hidden history this idea that i mean many people will have had a a, a relative who who was damaged by a war they mm -hmm. covered it up and that, i mean you know, patrick stewart has has talked about the fact that you know when his father came back patrick stewart um helped support is one of the main in fact i think the main supporter in huddersfield of a uh, a domestic abuse research in domestic abuse and as far as i know part of that story is when his father came back from the war the damage meant that mm -hmm. he then behaved sometimes in in, in incredibly uh, ab abusive ways towards other people. And I think that is something we need to to learn as well, isn't it? Because when you see the footage, for instance, from the First World War of people with, uh, you know, who had come out of, of the trenches with such psychological damage that they couldn't walk mm. or they believed they were blind without any actual, all of those things. You know, yeah. what are the lessons we, we, we need to learn from actually understanding that and not glossing over this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean the narrative that people talk about, you know, the modern uh, era is full of snowflakes, individual and weak and no resilience. But of course, we can't really do the comparison because you couldn't talk about these sorts of things uh, 30, 40 years ago. So I, I suppose it's the, the openness of discussing these things. I actually run a course called The Science of Happiness, another promotion, and um, <laughs> it's incredibly popular. And I think it's because we've actually legitimized the, the language of talking about mental well-being. And uh, you're absolutely right. There was whole sorts of hysterical blindness, hysterical problems. And uh, unfortunately, memory does have this kind of nostalgic rose-tinted glasses. We see everything as being much more kind of noble. But as, as we said, and as these, these, um, these accounts written firsthand indicate that, you know, these guys were terrified. Um, but that doesn't fit with our kind of narrative that we want to make it out to be more of a kind of uh, heroic effort. Mm-hmm. And people uh, want to sort of reclaim the entire endeavor, uh, endeavor away from empire building to some sort of like good versus evil thing and not the mass slaughter of the working classes. The, um, <laughs> the, uh, so this <laughs> is uh, on the, on the, on like, no, no, no. <laughs> the, um, uh, we're gonna uh thank you so much bruce for for that was a beautiful show and tell and i love that the the biscuits thing is just it's the such intro some of the museums and some of the pieces of you know uh, again sometimes it's the more mundane elements of mm -hmm. what appear to be mundane which offer quite a uh, a, a rich and uh, tooth-breaking story um so <laughs> bruce's uh new book is, is it, it's not in paperback yet is it it's still it's coming uh, on august in paperback uh called possessed why do we want more than we need and it's, a, it's a tale of the folly of materialism and that's very relevant in this uh, pandemic era and don't forget, don't forget uh, uh, you, can you can also uh, as well as the normal online stores there are lots of independent bookshops that are still supplying books so go to uh, if you can try and support your local independent bookshop get in contact with them uh, they're, they're, they're getting books out there new and bookshop we always mention as that's one of our favourites so uh, thank you very much Professor Bruce Hoods um, we are now going to go over to uh, it's uh, well, well this is uh, it's an exclusive 
this is uh, Laura, who uh, I know some of you have seen before at some of the gigs that we've done at the uh, the Albert Hall, the, the uh, Cosmic Shambles and at Hammersmith, and uh, you will have seen her touring as uh, She Makes War. Uh, that all ended sometime between October and November, and now she is someone entirely different. This is the Peter <laughs> Davis in a moment. She is now pen friend. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, so, Laura, so this, Laura, this can you tell us a little bit about the, the, the new incarnation and why you felt it was necessary? Well, I put music out for about 10 years with the other name. And um, I think I've, I just needed a change. I think it's um, I think names are really important. I think language is really important. I stand by everything I did under that name. Um, I think that I thought people would get it more than they did um, when I came up with it a really long time ago. And it just, I don't know, I think it just, um, you grow over the course of a decade, you know. And that was the first decade I'd been making my own music and sharing it with people. And I realised very, very early on, actually, that it was not me against the world. It was me with some people from the world who also wanted to be with me. So it's much more of a community thing really early on. Um, and so the name very quickly became quite redundant because I wasn't actually fighting anything. And then it just got to the point where I thought it's the right time to change and to make something new. And so from the very start, Penfriend is much more community based. Um, I'm just embracing that from the very start. And so it launched on Friday with a membership club and a members only forum and people are chatting. And, and I realised as well, I've been doing a lot of thinking about it over the last little while, about how really I can be a bridge between different people. So it's not about that kind of rock star, pop star thing where you're the one on the stage and everyone looks up to you and thinks you're brilliant. It's actually about going, well, I'm one person, but you're thousands of really interesting people. And why don't you get in touch with each other and have conversations? And yeah, of course, I want to chat to you as well. But it's more about them chatting to each other. And so I launched the forum yesterday and people are like introducing themselves and having a nice chat. And because it's not social media, it's not... Um, it's not a public one. It's not a Facebook group. It's not Twitter or anything. It's its own separate thing. People just feel more comfortable and they feel more welcome. And so I'm really interested to see where that goes because it's so exciting to see it start. That, that's in cult. A cult. <laughs> I was joking, but I, I wonder everyone just took it really seriously. Or you could call it a cult. <laughs> no, it sounds amazing. It doesn't sound like a cult it's at lovely. all. It's so lovely. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> That reminds me of Josie. I don't know if you remember many years ago at the end of the Road Festival, we went to see uh, Hefner um, and they hadn't performed for a while. And Darren Heyman looked, he didn't look happy about it at all. He looked, I was chatting to him afterwards and I went, oh, that was such a great gig. And he went, and, and I said, oh, you don't see that. He, he said, imagine if I said to you, um, oh, Robin, I'd like to book you for a festival, but could you do your set from 15 years ago? And I went, oh, yeah. Um, and, and I think it was, again, it was because he he had, Hefner, I think, are a great band. And I think everything that Darren Heyman has done since is really interesting. And worthwhile. But he'd reached that point where he went, those songs were written by that 27-year-old. And now I'm 37 and these are the things in my head and these are the different ways. That, and I think that's a kind of, you know, it's quite easy sometimes when you, especially when you want people just to return to, to what they have been to not realize that, you know, we, we change so rapidly. I understand him saying, him saying that in some ways, but also I think, God, I wish people wanted me to play stuff from 15 years ago and would fill a tent to see them. Mm. I'd happily play those songs. It's just that I think it's about um, being, you know, being an active artist and making new stuff all the time. Um, for me, like I'm, I'm happy to play older songs if people really want me to. God, I'd love that. I'd love people to go. But what about that old song that we love and we want to support? Yes, of course. 
Um, but it's, I think it's just about having new adventures all the time and seeing where things will go. To be honest, if I if I thought about it a little harder when I came up with the, the name, I wish I'd come up with Pen Friend then because I think it's an ace name. It suits me so much better. But, oh, well, I've done it now. <laughs> Yeah, it's a fascinating thing with words is the fact that for some reason where I don't remember having any particular presumptions when I first heard you. But as you said, some people went, oh, she makes war. Oh, what, what does that mean? You know, it, it, it's got war in the title. What's she going to yeah. do? Yeah. And it's uh, when you're scanning yeah. a festival bill, like who are you going to go and see this? This thing that sounds a bit too aggressive, aggressive. or this thing that you've heard of already, you know. So I think it's, it's nice to be a bit more mysterious and less fighty sounding. I'd have probably gone for the more aggressive one. Though. What about you, Josie? I think I would have, I 100% would have gone for pen friend at the start yeah. of my Better, uh, career. But by now, I'd be going for something very aggressive. So, <laughs> you know, I think it's much better to go the other way around. Than yeah. <laughs> like everything yeah. in life, I've done it the wrong way around. <laughs> no, I mean, you've done it the right way around. Oh. I'd much rather go from aggro to, to cooperation. Oh, I think yeah. that's brilliant. Well, we're going to... Uh... Uh, you're going to play one of uh, uh, the the new songs, uh, yeah. Pamphlet songs. And uh, just mention again, tomorrow we have, uh, we're back at <laughs> 10 o'clock tomorrow, 10 o'clock on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, and we have uh, Zoltzman Double Bill. Uh, we have uh, Andy Zoltzman and Helen Zoltzman. And we also have uh, our musical guests uh, tomorrow, uh, who are the FGs probably. And uh, no, George Egg. George Egg's tomorrow. George Egg is tomorrow. Yeah. He's not musical guest. He'll probably be, he'll be making uh, Cod Mornay inside a trouser press or something like that which is what he <laughs> normally does and uh, also remind you of the so tip jar as well we've given away uh pounds so far to artists and art centers and uh also if you can uh, go to patreon if you support us for our patreon we're still making other stuff which is not merely kind of lockdown related as well mm -hmm. and uh, so josie what are you up to for the rest of the day um i'm going to be uh, uh do, doing a small amount of work and then when my daughter wakes up from her nap I will be doing, oh heaven, like Play-Doh, I think. And she really, really wants to give everything a bath. So I guess I'm going to give all the toys a bath. A lovely, a lovely mix, mix. A mixture of decapitation and then bathing the decapitated mm. dolls. There's mm. so much going on in her narrative, isn't there? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm going to make a, a, an owl, a collage owl. That's my thing. Photo montage collage owl is my next bit of homeschooling. I uh, love it. Bruce, what does your day hold? Oh, you're muted. You're muted. But it was a uh, uh, enigmatic, though, a very enigmatic message there. Uh. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm still teaching my lectures. Uh, so, so uh, actually, I kind of enjoy this because that means I don't have to traipse into the lecture halls. It's kind of good. <laughs> Brilliant. And so, and you can follow Bruce Hood on and all of the other normal places to find out uh, more about his work and the speakeasy stuff there's loads of stuff out there and uh, it is all very interesting now ladies and gentlemen please welcome to her attic it is pen friend yeah. i play my song you can get the song for free from me because i've decided that is a good thing to do this is where you get it penfriend.rocks it's the whole new world of my world i'm making all right this is called the only way out is through Fatalistic to the bone, thunder clap. 
Thank you. So go to penfriend.rocks. See you tomorrow. That's so exciting. You've got the whole kind of community built up already. That's wonderful. So good. Yeah. It's really cool. Join us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home to catch up on all the previous episodes, find out who's coming up on upcoming episodes, and to leave a tip for acts and artists and venues who are hit hardest at the moment. And if you'd like to support us at the Cosmic Shambles Network, patreon.com slash bookshambles. Oh.